This is More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is made up of more than your job title. Each week, I'll talk to a guest about how they discovered that for themselves. You'll hear about what they did, what they're doing, and who they are. I'm your host, Rabia. I work in IT, perform stand-up comedy, write, volunteer, and, of course, podcast. Thank you for listening. Here we go. All right, everyone, this week on More Than Work, I am really excited. I'm always really excited. Actually, I don't put people on here that I'm not excited about, but I am really, really excited just because I haven't gotten to hang out with this guy in a while, and we're getting to do that. So it's Sean Arkless. He's co-founder and director of Shark Limited, we'll get into what that is and even how it's spelled, and also a vocalist at Hello Amnesia, which is a great band in London and super fun. So thanks for being here, Sean. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, pleasure for me too. It's just good to see your face. So, and we were just talking about seeing our, each other's faces. But uh, first of all, just where am I talking to you from? Uh, I'm currently in my flat in London, uh, Elephant and Castle, where I nice. recently moved. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you moved south of the river because you were living pretty far north, actually, before. Yeah, yeah. During my studies, I was up north, and I spent most of most of my freelance time up in up north as well. I, this is a very new development for me, and I have to say. I like being really close to everything. It's kind of yeah. nice. <laughs> I know, same here. Like people say, "Oh, it costs so much, whatever." But it's like, yeah, but I also then can walk a lot of places. So, yeah, and I cycle everywhere now. Like I don't even use the tube. It's great. Oh, nice. Oh, that's really good. So, actually, so you mentioned for your studies, and you're currently studying, but also you did study. And I, that's when I met you was with some of your student mates, basically. So, where did you study, and where are you studying now? I guess too, and, and then what? Okay, yeah. So I, I studied at a place called ICMP, which is the Institute for Contemporary Music Performance in North London, in a in a in Kilburn, and um, I studied songwriting for three years um, for my undergrad, and that's when I you know I formed the company in second year. I, I formed the band just towards the end of first year. So that's a, a lot of my kind of life projects have sort of stemmed from that degree. It's also where I learned about audio, where I sort of became an audio engineer for live for live sound and yeah so my whole career kind of came off the back of that and then I was freelance for a year and a half when I graduated and then I on a bit of a whim actually applied for a master's degree at some very very prestigious performing arts schools and I thought well it's never going to happen for me Mm -hmm. and then I got into all of them and it kind (laughs) of it kind of blew my mind so I thought shit I better do it Mm-hmm. Totally, <laughs> I bet, yes. I bet, I'd better do it. So that's why I'm now studying musical theatre, masters in musical theatre at Mountview College, which is in Peckham. And they are, yeah, it's it's incredible. I've just finished my first week, and it's oh, it's not just a step up, baby. It's like uh, like ten steps up. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's cool. And did you? I mean, did you always like musical theatre? Like, how did you decide to pursue that study after what you've been doing? I've I've always loved musical theatre. I think it's one of the reasons I came to London, you know, like checking out all of the, uh, like the West End. I, I always go and see a show at least once or twice a month. And I still feel like I know nothing about this, this scene, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like no matter how many uh, plays or shows I see, I'm still, I still feel like I haven't even scraped the surface. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did musicals when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, like I've always been a singer and a performer and, and, and an actor, like even just just throughout my whole life really i think it's always been a bit of a calling for me so musical theater combines all of my performative passions into mm-hmm. into one very lovely box uh, so I, and it also enables me to write uh, as well because as a songwriter 
and a writer I, I i like to combine those two things as well mm. so it, it really is like a, just a sort of full circle uh, this is everything that i do in one little one little box kind of thing yeah and it's such a unique way of storytelling i think i mean some people i think will make fun of musical theater and, and i've met a few people who don't like musicals and they go i don't like when people just start singing and that doesn't happen in real life it's like well neither does a lot of things like any science fiction well i won't say any science fiction but a lot of them don't happen in real life some of them do as we've seen but i mean a lot of things don't happen in real life that you're entertained by you know bojack horseman there's not a horse walking around talking and doing things like this but i really enjoyed it but are you already thinking about stories you'll be able to tell in a different way uh through through musical theater yeah, I think one of the really big appeals for me, especially because I've really, I've always wanted to write a musical. It feels like a big, big thing that I need to do in my life. And I think music is a really, really great way of getting people involved, um, you know, getting getting them outside of their heads, getting them in their feelings, just sort of like, you know. And then I think when you add a storytelling element to that, especially when there's like, you know, a serious underlying message or even just a playful message, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you can kind of go beyond what you would be capable of with a typical song and you can really expand on an idea you know whether it's a political one or whatever it is you can you can really because you can you're telling a a story with that song and it's Mm -hmm. like it's going somewhere with the musical theater style song because you wouldn't really have dialogue per se Uh in, in in your average sort of pop song whereas in musical theater you can sort of break that like the medium's a bit different the format's mm. a bit different and you can I, I guess i think you can say a lot more as as you can already see i, I talk a lot so i'm excited to put these <laughs> thoughts into a yeah into that format and see what see what comes out of it basically yeah yeah totally and i know just kind of looking at you said you've always performed and that's always been part of your life but pursuing that and then also pursuing the sound engineering and and all of that, like, did you have an interest in that too? Or did that come during school? Like, or did you see that maybe as a, a thing that will enable you to do the music? I mean, how's, how have you decided on that career path? Because some people fully commit just to music or fully commit to one. I'm, you know, that I'm doing comedy, but I've been very committed to IT for 20 something years. So, you know, yeah. how's that for you? It's, do you know, I, I think that's a really, really good question. I, it, it fell in my lap, I think. You know, when I, when I was traveling around the world, when, or, or like even before then, when I was a teenager, like working in my first job, I, I, I think I just ended up, I, when I started studying, I made a promise to myself that I would never work in a kind of, you know, unskilled like retail or, or bar job again, and 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 actually, I, I have to say it's not it's not out of disrespect for these positions because I think mm-hmm. if I had not worked in retail or if I had not worked bar, I would never be the person that I am today. And I think actually everyone should work <laughs> retail mm-hmm. and bar, but I think that it's it's like a stepping stone for me in, into becoming like a professional because those jobs were incredible in terms of my personal and social development or communication development but they didn't really fulfill me uh, on a professional level or an or an intellectual level and so I, I sort of made that promise to myself that I would never go back to that um, right. which was scary for me because that it's like that was a safety net for me and I could earn good money in retail but so then I knew I had to find something and I started this band and we we were doing rehearsals and 
my band couldn't really be bothered to operate the uh, the mixing desk to run our monitors or our sound so that we could get the sound. So I just worked it out. I looked at the thing and I, I thought, this is very intimidating, but I guess it's not too difficult. And I just played with some buttons. And then, you know, the, I guess a year and a half later, I'm getting paid to touch those <laughs> buttons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of how it went. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, just being able to figure it out, but also being curious enough to figure it out. I mean, even with the podcast, like I do all the editing and I figured out how to do that. And then it became important to transcribe for SEO, but also for accessibility. So how do I do that? And now I'm on these tools that make it really easy. I mean, benefits of AI and that kind of thing. But, oh, yeah. you know, I think just being curious and knowing that you can possibly teach yourself and then start asking people, have you had anybody kind of mentor you or help you or do any training since you started pressing buttons willy nilly? Yeah. I, I think that's kind of, that's sort of how it happened. I started pressing buttons, didn't really think much of it. <clears throat> and we, like I used to go to these like open mics or just social like music events and I'd perform. And I eventually met a guy, he called himself Scotty Rockstar. I will never forget that man. Crazy, crazy guy. I was looking at his iPad and I was like, oh, are you controlling the sound from your iPad? And he said, yeah. And he showed me how it worked. And he offered me my first ever professional job, which was like 50 pounds for eight hours, which was ridiculously underpaid. But nevertheless, I learned a lot and I kept coming back and he sort of showed me how amplifiers worked and speakers and speaker cables. And yeah, we were operating like the worst quality equipment as well. So like I had to learn how to problem solve very, like very early on. And it, it actually, uh, it, it totally changed everything. And so it started with him. And then, you know, I moved on to people who were doing more like corporate stuff. I basically just went and talked to people and I said, Hey, I'm really excited about this now, like, because I've got a bit of experience, but I still have a lot to learn. Is there any chance I can shadow you? And, you know, before you know it, I'm, I'm, I'm engineering like a, like a, like a live streamed Remembrance Day service in London Stadium for West Ham United. And wow. I blagged the whole thing. Like, I don't know how I yeah. ended up there, but it was, uh, yeah. And it's sort of just one step by step, just asking for help, basically. Nice. Nice. That's great. And then, then you decided to go with Shark Limited and, and do your own music production company versus like working for another one. And mm-hmm. it, is that just really like an extension of you being a freelancer or are, did you put it together as a company that, you know, has people in it and that kind of thing? Ah, so basically the, the whole sort of the whole thing behind Shark, I think, was by the time I hit second year, I sort of recognized that there were certain aspects of the creative industry in general, and especially being freelance within the creative industry that I just didn't, I didn't quite understand or agree with. It just felt like it was all a bit too difficult, a bit complicated. Communication was really quite quite poor Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of areas. And I, I guess I wanted to try and see whether or not my ideas about how that could be improved were of merit. And I guess the only way to see whether or not they are of merit is, is to try and put them into practice. So that's kind of how it came about. And we, I I met my business partner, Lasse, he he was head of events at the university I was attending and I watched him work for a year. And I was like, this, this guy gets it. I called him and I was like, Hey, can you help me put a live stream on for my friend? 
And he was like, yeah, sure, no worries. And I was like, great, I'll pay you this. Like, it's not going to be big budget, but if it works, then hopefully we can do more of this, yada, yada. And then we did the thing. And in the taxi on the way back from this job, which was the most stressful, intense thing I've ever done in my entire life, (laughs) because I'd never really done anything ambitious like that before. And I really was not ready, but I guess we just jump in, give it a go. And it went so well that I said to him, listen, we're starting a business together. And he was like, what? (laughs) 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 He was like, "Are, are you joking? Yeah, it's yeah. like, no, we're going to start a business. We're going to change the industry. He was like, you're <laughs> insane. <laughs> I never forget this conversation. And yeah, and then two years later, here we are. I think we do a lot of, I still do a lot of freelance work. He still does a lot of freelance work. I'm performing, he's a drummer. And we're slowly, slowly building. Our client base is building. Contracts are kind of increasing. And we don't have any employees yet, but we're sort of, I'm really excited for when that flips and we absolutely yeah. need one. You know, it's kind of like, and then and then we need another one and another one because it's, yeah, yeah. I can see the trajectory and it's really exciting. But currently it's all on a freelance basis and the majority of our work will be will be freelance, I think, for the foreseeable future. But there will obviously be a certain infrastructure we require in place for the, the back end. Yeah. Yeah, and so what, I guess, when you look at, maybe pick one or two problems that you would like to solve and like kind of how maybe you're you're trying to solve those that'd be cool and just so people can get an idea of what you're doing but then also kind of your thinking which i'm interested because i've worked in process improvement for a long time so sure oh yeah no i I, it's one of my favorite favorite topics (laughs) i think problem number one I'd say support network for freelancers. When I was coming up into the industry, and you know, don't get me wrong, I'm still quite a baby to be honest, but um, when I was first starting out, it felt like the level of understanding for how to kind of encourage and inspire freelancers to do their best work was very limited. Mm-hmm. It was very stressful for me. I, a lot of my peers, um, you know, they, they sort of shied away from this freelance lifestyle, this, even any of, the, any of these freelance opportunities, because they're very, it's very intimidating. It can be very intimidating because you're all alone yeah. and, you know, you don't have anyone to tell you what to do. And I think I want, as a company, like our sort of mission is to find a balance between independence and support you know it's like we're not Mm -hmm. going to tell you what to do but we're going to help you to figure that out for yourself and i think if i had had that when i was coming up into this this industry i I think i would have been a lot less afraid i would have i would have been much more confident i probably wouldn't have suffered so much you know in in the wrong kind of circumstances or situations Mm -hmm. i would have believed in my capabilities and my value um, at an earlier stage and i probably would have spent less time worrying about how to market myself um how like you know i'm not an accountant i'm not Mm -hmm. a graphic designer i don't i I don't know what seo is really i mean i get it but i'm not you know like it's these are not my skills my skills lie elsewhere so why i guess in some ways i was almost kind of uh, saying well why the hell should i have to do this you know yeah and we want to provide that support for people who like myself really their skills are not in building a website or you know understand, yeah. understanding marketing it's like so we'll help them to do that so they can do what they're best at basically mm-hmm. so that's a huge huge thing 
for, for us. We also, I guess to add to that, we're very passionate about like, the next generation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean young people. It predominantly is, but there's a lot of career changes that we really, that we're supporting in our work as well, like to um, give them opportunities to, you know, if they want to become a photographer, we're going to help them to do that. So we're really, really passionate about career changes and uh, the future generation because we want to help them to be well, the next best thing, you know, better than us, yeah. right? An improvement yeah. on what we've we've done. And I suppose problem number two <clears throat> would be quality control. You know, you have no idea what you're getting into. You know, you scroll Instagram, I want a photographer. What do, like, how do I know if they're any good? How yeah. do I know what their values are? The, the world is so oversaturated with information and, and, and there's so many different people and websites. Some people are very good at, at bluffing. Some people are yeah. very humble. Some, pe- like some people are too humble. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it, it's so hard to know at a glance unless that's your professional skill set, like unless you're re- like working in recruiting freelancers. It's really difficult to know if you're getting the right thing. And you go on Fiverr, it's the same thing. Like you go on there, you find people, you're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. Like, and, and there's so much trial and error. And we want to put an end to that. Uh, if I book a video team for a conference, for example, every single person on that team is incredibly well briefed, but they've all been interviewed for an hour plus by myself mm-hmm. or, or one of my colleagues. And they're all vetted, heavily yeah. vetted. And, and, and we are certain that they are going to be perfect for this job you know that's that's how we operate and so i guess we're trying to build like a a brand that people can trust in rather than an individual and then they will trust the brand to match them with the correct individual that's because honestly the i mean i'm sure you you yourself have been through this this stress of trying to pay people to do a job that you don't feel comfortable doing yourself it's almost like you may as well have learned how to do it and then done the thing because yeah. of how much stress it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, for place. sure. Well, yeah, yeah, working for like a tech consultancy, I mean, you you know who your employees are, but developers get placed on a project and a project manager does. And, you know, then as a project manager, I would have a team of de- developers based on that system of assignment. And you'd have to make sure the client knows, like, this is who you're talking to. And some clients want to see your CV of the team and see a, you know, summary of what they've done and what they've worked on. And sometimes they don't because, but a company that has people either employed or as contractors to do work that represents them has to have that level of responsibility, you know, and even people putting together comedy shows. Like if I look at that part and I know one person that's been on the podcast before has put together, puts together lineups and, he will not put people on that he's not confident can do the job because if he's emceeing or not, he's not going to do that, right? And so I think in any place, like, then he might get a reputation as someone who can put together a good lineup whether he's on it or not, which is great versus some people, you know, will get a reputation of not being able to do that. And it's important in any sense. Yeah, you've got to care. You have to care. You have to be seen to care, especially when you're not involved. You know, that, that, that almost is more reflective of what you, what you really believe in. Because mm-hmm. if you're curating a wonderful lineup or, or if you're building a team that is just like working seamlessly for your client, like the client's not going to notice any issues. They're going to feel really good. And, and it's like it's a ripple effect because the whole yeah. thing, the atmosphere, the audience, the, 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 the punters, everyone involved in the thing, it's just all much more positive it feels good to be a part of because someone happened to spend 20 minutes thinking a bit more than 
you know, perhaps the average promoter or project manager. And it's like, if you just think, stop and think for just a minute, how can we make this special? How can we care about this a little bit more? What characteristics can we put in place uh, from these particular people to to add to this specific context? And, you know, it doesn't take much, but people seem to not want to do it. And and, and the only conclusion I can come to there is that they haven't learned the the value of of caring about that thing. They, they they're too focused on the end result. Oh, I want I'm putting on a show and I and I'm focused on the show being finished and being a great success. But it's like, what about all of the in between? That's what actually matters. That's what we experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are people reliable? Are they going to show up when they say yeah. they will? Yeah. You know, and yeah. if they're not, do you have a backup? That kind of thing. I mean, especially yeah. when doing events and you happen to put people on site, you can't be at every single thing, especially no. when you get really busy. Yeah, well, that's cool. And then, um, so yeah, and then one of my favorite subjects, and I'm sure yours, is Hello Amnesia. Oh. Right? <laughs> lest, we not, lest we not forget them. That's uh, an amnesia pun. But <laughs> I, I missed that. <laughs> Can't forget amnesia. That's so weird. But yeah, so talk about the band. Okay. Yeah. I, do you know what? Like, honestly, one of the coolest things I've, I've, ever, I've ever been involved in. I, I made a joke to someone when I was in the Philippines. I had 400 pounds in my bank account and I was at my wits end. I was 23 and I was like, I'm going to go to London and I'm going to busk for a living. Obviously, I ended up discovering this degree course and I ended mm. up doing a degree and, you know, and everything. But it's like, I, I remember saying to someone on the beach, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to go to London and I'm going to I'm going to start a band and it's going to be bigger than bigger than Queen. And they laughed at me and I laughed at myself for, for making a statement like that. While I was, you know, probably only half serious about about that, it it really inspired something within me. I thought, well, okay, well let's see what I can do. Like let's actually follow that through. Let, let's let's pretend that we we are capable of making a band as big as or bigger than Queen, and 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 just mm-hmm. just try. What's the worst that can happen? We play a gig or something, and we realize that we're just no good. Uh, so, yeah. I, I think you know when I was in first year, I was just running around all these gigs and stuff. I was thinking, ah, oh, I, I want to start a band. I don't know how to start a band. I don't even know what a band looks like. I went to jam sessions and. I got up on stage and for the first time in my life just started singing um, like rock music. Um, yeah. And my, my now drummer, Sam, he came up to me and he said, you sound like Robert Plant. And I was like, <laughs> who is that? <laughs> and, and, and he was like, Wow. And I was like, I, I don't really know rock music, you know, like I don't, I, yeah. I'm not really familiar with it. And then we, you know, we found a few other people. We got together. We started singing a couple of songs that I had written. They started arranging them. And we realized that we actually had like quite a cool sound. And we, we, we were like, we got along really, really well. And I basically forced all these guys into a room together. They were like, what are we doing here? Like, this is the morning. It's like, we finished jam session at 1 a.m. Why are we here at 10 a.m.? This is going to suck. And yeah, two hours later, we literally, we had a band. And then we started rehearsing and writing song. About uh, three months later, yeah, four months later, we we played our first ever gig. And it was like incredible. It was the most electrifying experience I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's a cool band. And I mean, I definitely, I got tinnitus one time at one of your gigs, for sure. Just briefly. 
But I was like, okay, this is where I'm like, am I too old to do this to go see these young guys on stage? But, but, um, first of all, how'd you come up with the name Hello Amnesia? How'd you guys? I've always wondered whether or not I should try and make up a story that's cooler than this one, but I'll tell you the truth. I wrote a list of names. Well, I'll tell you the premise for the name, actually. That, that's probably more interesting. I wanted something that represented nostalgia like the old mm. school um because i i i really we kind of found this lo- this classic rock kind of influence yeah. and we wanted to maintain that that energy right the energy from the 70s and 80s and we wanted to eventually when we learned how transform that into a more palatable kind of modern contemporary sort of mm-hmm. music but but it just it would keep the energy from that, but keep the production value of something more contemporary, so that it's like really nice to listen to, really fun, really engaging, but not you know not losing the, the kind of soul and the real the heartbeat of of, of rock music yeah. from from you know the seventies and eighties. Because I think a lot of modern music it, it can be a bit should we say emotionally flat. I think yeah. like it's not it's not as oh like thrilling I suppose, and we wanted yeah. to keep that. So I thought right nostalgia. That's amnesia. That's the amnesia compo- yeah. component. And the more contemporary side was like, oh, hello, because it's more like present yeah. present moment, right? And yeah, so yeah. that I wrote down many, many names like that. And then on, on a list of paper, and I turned to my flatmate, uh, Kim Nanninger, who actually, she's, she, she wrote one of our, one of our big songs um, oh, nice. uh, called Stranger, which is on Spotify, you can listen to. She, she, wrote, she co-wrote that with me. Um, nice. But one day I turned around to her, in the kitchen and I showed her this list and I said, Kim, what do you think for band names? And she looked at the list and she was like, these all suck, but this one's good. And I, and, and, and that was, so hello amnesia was the one that was it. Nice. Nice. That's kind of, can you imagine like baby names? These all yeah. suck. This one's good. Yeah. <laughs> that was okay. it. It was like, immediate and I was like decision. well, that's my grandparents name. Like what? <laughs> I know. I know she was so like blunt about it. Like yeah, I, I just sort of looked at her like, do you know I actually put real thought into these? Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. like, no, sack these off. This is the only good one. Very good. Well, that's you need someone like that though. I think we all need. I tend to be the person people have like that. Just mm. I think they call it being American, but I just call it being honest. You know. But yeah. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and so you you've always performed, but like really getting into rock at this kind of rock was different. So have you? as a result of being in the band, started to discover music, even though it's from the past, like discover music that is now influencing. I mean, like I didn't listen to the Smiths, you know, I'm in my forties. I didn't listen to the Smiths until that 500 days of summer came out. And then I was like, Whoa, what is this? And then, you know, right before Morrissey became a total D bag, but still like, you know, and it's just interesting when you like discover old things. And so have you discovered any music now that you're like, Oh yeah, this is great. And this is kind of, what I feel and, and what I want to evoke. Definitely. You know, like I, I remember in 2006, and I think it was 2006. Oh God, I think so. I listened to uh, a friend of mine had a CD of uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers and then mm-hmm. the stadium Arcadium. And we just, I, I just sat in his car and we listened to it for like, like two hours and or however long it's a long album. And that was probably the closest thing I ever came to the kind of music that we make as a band. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was a teenager, and at least on a kind of regular basis. And then, you know, when I eventually got my little MP3 player, I put all of these yeah. songs on there. And, uh, you know, there was a bit of Green Day on there. I had some of these, like, you know, mm. emo punk rock bands. There was a little bit of that, mostly just very commercial, like, generic stuff. Yeah. And then 
I did start listening to a lot of like heavy metal when I was a teenager because I, you know, obviously I was told that I was supposed to be depressed and angry. So what did I do? I became depressed and angry. Like, that's, that's <laughs> the, you know. So I did a lot of that, like Lamb of God and Opeth and, and, and all of the like Slayer. So I guess I did listen to a lot of that stuff when I was younger. But what I really discovered since, I guess, since forming the band is, is like Led Zeppelin, for example. Mm. Oh, my God. I, I adore their music. Like, I mean, it's the... the the songs are incredible, especially from the time, the time that they were made, mm-hmm. you know, like Deep Purple, huge influence of ours. Like, I mean, they're also on a more kind of con- contemporary kind of uh, level, like Foo Fighters, absolutely fantastic. I think Dave Grohl yeah. is a genius. And like, just even that first album, I'm just like, blows my mind that he did mm-hmm. the whole thing by himself and then found a band like I did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You know, I guess, uh, and Imagine Dragons as well, mm, quite a, quite a big yeah. influence for us. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, my bass player, he's a lecturer in, in in university, and he he at the start of the year he always says to his students, "You came here because you think you like music. Ninety percent of you don't even know what music is." And he told me this, like he gave he gave me like a mock lecture of this one day, and in, in, in when we were on tour, and <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, that's me! I don't even yeah. like music. I don't even know what it is." And he, you know, he sort of was talking about the fact that everyone's like, they, "Oh, they've listened to like one album, and they think that that's what like they love music." But actually, it turns out most people uh, who go to study music or the arts, they, they're not lovers of the of, of the art itself. They're yeah. lovers of the idea of what that art can give them in terms of attention or a boost to their ego. Or, or and, and, and he kind of picked that apart for me. And I realized that, I, yes, I am in love with music as I am now. And I, I, am, I, I love being an artist and I love creating it. And I really understand what that means to me. But when I first started university, I, I, I didn't even know what it was. So I've fallen yeah. in love with music and therefore researched and studied and found all of this amazing art from all over the world since then. Because realistically, I, I, I barely knew anything, you know, yeah. when, when it all started. <laughs> huh. So one thing you mentioned, and then we just kind of went past, was that you were in the Philippines on a beach talking about what you wanted to do. So you grew up over in New Zealand, right? Mm-hmm. And then now you're... Basically, I guess this is the other side of the world. I'm really bad at geography. but yeah. And just that decision you made to move over to England and kind of figure things out. And what? And at that time, I guess you were just kind of working in the retail or the pub or that kind of thing. So do you think that was like the big turning point for you, though, just making that decision? Or how did that all happen for you where you're doing what you're doing now? Yeah, that's a really, really, really good question. I think I lacked a lot of self-confidence growing up. I think I, I, you know, I was always told in school that I would never really amount to much because I I was always very, I never really found it easy to pay attention to what my teachers were saying. Mm. And I obviously I left school when I was 16. So I I did, I sort of started working quite young and and I didn't really know what I liked, what I wanted to do. Like I played a lot of video games. I was really into my world of world of Warcraft at the time. Um, and it kept me alive, you know, like that, that, that gave me a sense of community and a sense of, um, you know, belonging, I think, that I needed at that time in my life. I, I, I don't know, like I was so, I spent my whole life so closed off, so insecure. Like there was always this part of me that was like, a, you know, a big performer, a showman, like, a, like someone that had something to say. But I'd spent so much of my life being told that 
everything that I have to say is is, is inappropriate or or too much or, or you should be sitting in a corner and listening or uh, you know you're never going to do well like no, like very uninspiring uh, was my was my education or formative years I suppose yeah and so I think you know I, and and as a result of that I ended up in a relationship that kind of went up in flames in that sense when I began to find something that I cared about which mm, was songwriting yeah. I started to write my own songs and the relationship started to go downhill at the same time that I started to go uphill on the inside which I yeah. guess in a lot of ways that makes sense and it was nothing yeah. on the relationship like it was a really happy three years that for, for me as I was but as I began to transform and found find this kind of inner confidence I think we ended up drifting apart and yeah. That was, you know, it, it all went up in flames just before I, uh, the flight that we both had booked. Um, like it was supposed wow. to be a romantic holiday in the Philippines on the on the way home before we started our lives in, in England. And we mm-hmm. uh, studied, did whatever, you know, built our careers. And I was, I went to a gig and just after the breakup. We went together um, to this gig, actually, because it was a lot of money. And we thought, well, mm-hmm. we're still friends. We can, we can, we can make this work. And it was uh, for an artist called Passenger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, which who we've seen together. Ex- oh, yeah. my God, we have. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah it was amazing. that was like yeah. the first, like one of the first London gigs. And you just texted me and you're like, Sean, come see Passenger. I'm like, yes, I, yeah. I love Passenger. And I'll tell you because. Yeah. So I've probably already told you this, actually, because in 2018, I went to see this gig and I saw him performing on stage. I was singing mm-hmm. his songs at him. And, and Mike, if you ever see this, I, I, I just want you to know. You you are the reason that I'm more. You, you were the initial reason <laughs> that mm. I started on this journey because yeah. I I looked at him and he looked at me while I was singing his songs and he just nodded at me like and smiled mm. and encouraged me to keep going. And in that moment, I just thought, Oh my God, maybe maybe I can do what he does, mm. you know? And yeah, I, and that's when and, and I that, I don't know I don't know what happened. It was like everything changed that day. Yeah. I woke up the next day and I was on a mission. And I didn't know what that mission was yet, but that that yeah. moment, it was just this confidence. It just came, and yeah. it it was like a seed was planted that day, and, and yeah, I, and so I had to. I, that was I, I had to move to London. I had to become an artist. I had to do all this stuff. Suddenly, I I, I found a, a reason to live. I guess. <laughs> Amazing, nice. That's that's great. Yeah, and, and passenger's great, and I'm. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a few shows together now, and it's it's always fun. So, yeah. Well, I think one thing I like to ask everybody on the podcast is just like, do you have any advice, or do you have like a mantra you want to share, or something like that? Yeah, I guess my advice to to people, based on the last four years of my life and where it's led me, would probably be trust your instincts, hesitate less feel more mm. you know pay attention to how you respond to things and don't judge yourself too harshly on those responses learn from your observations and find peace in your newfound understanding of yourself and how you interact with the world live fearlessly and choose your own adventures mm. yeah yeah that would be my advice <laughs> Remember those choose your own adventure books? Did you guys have those? That's why I that's why I said that. It's like, you know, you Amazing. choose a page, you just go to the next one, the next one, and you don't have full control, but you you know no. that, yeah. And you can always flip it back and so yeah. I guess that's like decision making, right? You like weigh the options. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. 
Okay, so now we're going to do the fun five. These are five questions I ask everybody. Great. Uh, so we'll start with the first one. What's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? I was given this t-shirt. I think I got it when I was, yeah, 23. It's 2018. It was when I recorded my first solo album. I did a I did a gig by myself, singing my, song, my, my own original songs, and a record label from Hawaii came and picked me up and... It was the most mind-blowing experience of my life because huh. it was like, it's my first original gig. What are you doing? I'm useless. And they yeah. were like, no, we believe in you. We want to record an album. <laughs> so we did. And um, they gave me a T-shirt for their record label. And uh, it's called Rock the Rock Records in Hawaii. Steve and Lauren, really the just two most amazing, awe-inspiring people who kind of set me on this path, really. I find myself putting that T-shirt on when I'm feeling... I don't know, nostalgic, I guess. Yeah. Like It's like if I've got a day at home by myself, <clears throat> yeah. I'll put that T-shirt on and I'll look in the mirror and I'll be like, man, look how far you've come. Like the last five years. It's a, so it's, yeah, the T-shirt's not that old. It's five years old, but I I still wear it um, every now and again. And it's, it, yeah, it's, it's it's just one of the most precious T-shirts I could, I could ever imagine owning. And I will never, ever get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's really cool too. The second one is if every day was really like Groundhog's Day, like in the film where, you know, the same days lived over and over, what song would you have your alarm clock set to play every morning? There's a, there's a band I really like called um, Alter Bridge, who I've been a, fa- oh. a huge fan of since I was a teenager. Um, and I went to see them at the O2 recently in London. Oh, cool. And they recently brought out an album called Pawns and Kings. Mm-hmm. And there's a song, the, the title track, Pawns and Kings, is a really long, cool, like, alt rock, like, banger. But the yeah. message behind it is, you know, well, I, I guess the chorus, it's like, it, it, well, it basically just says, though we're pawns, we could be kings, you mm. know? And I think yeah. the message behind it is that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter that you've grown up in an environment where you've been controlled or told what to do or you, you know you've been you know manipulated to believe that this is all your life is is and ever will amount to you know if you if you want to if you want more if you if you want to seek more then then it's it's attainable it's there you you, you just have to take steps to to yeah. reach out and grab it and i think yeah pawns and kings by alterbridge that 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 song gives me life when i need it most nice that's perfect okay this one's easier i think coffee or tea or neither ah so my answer is coffee, but I know it should be tea <laughs> because I, I get very overstimulated and I love yeah. coffee, but I'm just like, Sean, what are you doing? Stop drinking. It's not good for you. I know it's not, even though I can say, I mean, you've, I know seen me, I'm trying not to yawn, but I've done that now. Yeah. Um, I've had coffee because we're doing this in the morning. I have had coffee today too much. And I think I've done something where I've, it's now having the reverse effect mm-hmm. so maybe yeah two would have been better i don't know easier yeah. right easier <laughs> um okay so can you think of something that makes you laugh like so hard you cry or just crack up and you know i don't know just if you think of it or see it or someone says something to you it, it probably sounds a bit cheesy but the things that make me laugh and cry till i can't stop are kind of the things that i don't expect to see um, usually little pockets of joy in the world. Like, mm. I don't know, like like seeing 
children run around and just in, enjoying themselves in this totally kind of unfiltered sort of like joy is sort of emanating from them like stuff like that like and you just don't expect yeah. to see that on your on your way to work and or, or you know like a couple that are that are not just they're not just like attacking each other uh, aggressively in the street like uh, like like it's like there's a real love there's a real romance and yeah. passion to, to their interaction basically just anything real you know like anything yeah. really really deeply real that you, you can't you couldn't mistake that you know and when i see moments like that in the world this world we live in that is so i think it's very shallow at times you know it's very like yeah I, I, mm-hmm. th- there's not it i mean this is reality but there just doesn't seem to be a lot of reality within it <laughs> or yeah. realness i guess yeah, so yeah. so when i see that it just uh, yeah i i get teary or I, I i smile uncontrollably and i just walk down yeah. the street a happier person i guess That's yeah it. yeah cool all right and the last one is who inspires you right now every single person that i meet who who has a dream or a goal and is isn't giving up on it is, is determined despite the challenges like mm. You know, like we're all every we're all building stuff. Everyone's working towards something, and and I guess the people who inspire me the most are the ones that have developed an understanding of the fact that this is going to be tough. This is going to be hard. This is so much harder than I ever expected it to be when I first started. I want to give up, but you know what? I'm not going to. And yeah. I meet these people every now and again, and you know they. Uh, yeah, I, 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 there's just not one person, I guess. It's it's so hard to put that into one person. But anyone that kind of follows that that kind of mindset and of determination despite the odds, mm. they 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 inspire me every day. And and there's more of them out there. There's more of us out there, I think, than than we yeah. realize. I, uh, I, I, and you know, you just have to look and be open, and we'll find yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. Cool. So. Sean, this has been a lot of fun, and I want to make sure you get a chance to say where someone can find you. Where do you want them to look for you, learn about you, learn about what you're doing? Well, uh, if you want to find my company, uh, Shark Limited, um, that's www.sjark.co.uk. Please do check that out and see it. We've got a brand new promotional video on there, which we uh, put a lot of work into, which um, we're very proud of. I'd love for you to see what we're doing on the website. Um, And if you want to ever work with us, you know where to find us. Um, My personal, like my my personal Instagram, is at at Sean S E A N Arkless A R K L E S S Music, and the my band is at Hello underscore Amnesia on Instagram. And you can find us on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever music platform you prefer to listen to. Um, and that's probably the best way to, to get a get an idea of the sort of three avenues that, that I'm, I'm pursuing in life. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and if you're in England, especially in London, look out for where you guys are playing too. Definitely. So, yeah, it's a yeah. fun show. It's a fun show. Yeah, I need to get to another one soon. Um, but yeah, it's great. Well, Sean, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. And, and I'm glad we got to catch up a bit. But also, uh, I'm glad to get to talk to you about about you and what you do and, and how you inspire me. So thank you. Well, Robbie, thank you so much for having me. It's it's, it's honestly a real, real privilege uh, to be here and just to just to chat. And, and, you know, it's been such a while since I've seen you. So it, like, uh, it's, it's also just nice to, to see your face. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about the guest and what was talked about in the show notes. Joe Mafia created the music you're listening to. 
you can find him on Spotify at Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. Rob Metke does all the design, for which I am so grateful. You can find him online by searching Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Please leave a review if you like the show and get in touch if you have feedback or guest ideas. The pod is on all the social channels at at More Than Work Pod or at Robbie Comedy on TikTok and the website is morethanworkpod.com. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.